This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Welcome to Faith Church. So glad you're all here. If this is your first time, make sure you come back next week. Pastor Stormy and Shelly are out of town, and so they're having a much-deserved vacation. But that means I get to speak to you guys, and so I'm really excited about that. We're gonna look through lots of scripture this morning to see what the Bible says, and so if you didn't bring your Bible and you want to have one in your hands, go ahead and lift up your hand, and our awesome team of ushers will bring a Bible to you. And uh, let's give our ushers a round of applause because they are amazing. They take care of us every week. Thank y'all so much. All right, once you get to your Bible, turn to Psalms chapter 103. I'm not gonna get there quite yet, but that'll be the first place we go, Psalm 103. So I'm gonna actually continue Pastor Stormy's series called Wake Up, and he's been on his series for four or five weeks now. He's been talking about how we need to wake up in our prayer lives, wake up in in our time in the word of God, wake up because we are fighting against a real enemy and because we serve a real God and we live in crazy times, right? But as Christians, as the body of Christ, we need to wake up to the things of God and let him live through us. And so we're gonna continue that today and the title of the message this morning is Prioritize the Presence. And so if you're taking notes, that's the title, Prioritize the Presence. We're gonna be talking about how in our lives every day we can prioritize the presence of God and how that brings change and how that brings about us living the life that God created us and designed us to live. We're gonna look at at Moses in the Bible because if anybody in the Bible can teach us about prioritizing God's presence, it's him. Now, there's two types of the presence of God that are distinguished in scripture. The first type of God's presence is his omnipresence. Everybody say omnipresence. We're not talking about the Omnimax theater at the science spectrum, okay? But omni means all or everywhere and God's presence where he is. Omnipresence refers to the fact that God is everywhere all at once, all the time. Even in the book of Genesis, before the world was even created, there was the Spirit of God hovering over the face of the deep. He was, he's always been there. He always will be there. Our God is eternal. And so he is everywhere, all at once, all the time. He's always with you. That's why he, he can look at Joshua and say, Joshua, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. He is everywhere. But the second type of the presence of God that's, that's seen throughout scripture, and this is the type of the presence that we're gonna be talking about today, is called God's manifest presence. And his manifest presence is when he makes his presence known to us as his creation. Now this can look a lot of different ways. Maybe you've, you've heard the voice of God before. Maybe you've, you've felt the voice of God leading you in your spirit. And I'm gonna talk about different times, different adventures in my life where the the voice of the Lord has spoken to me. Maybe you've experienced it at a conference, like the Cherished Conference or the Men of Iron Conference, and you've been in this atmosphere where you just knew that God's presence was in the room with you. Maybe it's when you were comforted after great loss in your life, or, or maybe it's a peace that you got in a time where you should not have experienced peace. Those things are God's manifest presence. It's when he allows us to feel, to know, to sense his presence. And so in my life, this has looked a lot of different ways. I remember when when my wife miscarried our first child. And I remember that night after we had been at the doctor, getting on my bed at night and just 
opening up the Psalms and reading the word of God and, and through tears, experiencing God's comfort. And the comfort of God in that moment was his manifest presence for me. I remember driving in my car when I was on my way to work when I was still teaching school. And I remember on the radio this song came on, it's called Worthy of Your Name, and the song talks about how Jesus is worthy of the name that's been given to him, the name that's above every name. And I just remember the presence of God, the manifest presence of God meeting me in my car on the way to work. And I just began to cry and worship right there when nobody else was around. God's manifest presence was right there with me. I remember going and doing prison ministry one time with, with Ben Mason, and he was taking us into the prison. We were gonna worship, and then he was gonna speak a message, and I had my acoustic guitar, and I remember playing and singing, and the, the certain pod of men that we were in were guys that had given their lives to Jesus while they were in prison. And I remember those guys lifted their hands in worship. They were bowing on their knee in worship. It was one of the most powerful times I've ever felt in the presence of God right there in prison. I remember that there was a time in my life where I was experiencing a lot of anxiety every day and just almost debilitating anxiety. And I remember crying out to the Lord, just turning on worship music in my living room and, and getting on my knees before him. And in a time where I shouldn't have felt peace, feeling the hand of God bring peace to my heart. That's the, what it talks about, the peace that surpasses our understanding. And in that moment, that peace was the manifest presence of God for me. And you know, more recently, those were all times where I've experienced really the benefits of the presence of God and, and his blessings for us. But sometimes the presence of God brings correction to us. Sometimes the presence of God gives us direction in our life and, and shows us which way we're to go. And so it was after a church service about a month ago. And we had had this incredible time in the presence of God, all of us together just worshiping. Altar call was incredible. And after service, I was talking to a couple in the church. And they were telling me how, you know, this crazy situation, they've got these two golden retriever females and then they've got this male at their house. Both of their golden retrievers got pregnant at the same time and now they've got 17 puppies. Now, for me, I am not a pet person. When I first got married, my wife and I got a golden retriever, and before long, he went to live with somebody else because I don't like the money they cost, I don't like the time they take, I don't like the energy they take. Like, somebody else can have the pets, they're not for me, okay? So that's me, my kids all the time are like, Daddy, can we get a dog? I'm like, oh, that's so, no. <laughs> and it's not because I'm a cat person, I don't want them either, I just don't want pets. And so I'm talking to this lady, and what I'm thinking in my mind is 17 puppies plus three, that's 20 dogs, bless you. Like, I don't want anything to do with any of that. And so as I'm talking to her, I feel that, that gentle whisper of the Lord, and he says to me, get one of those dogs for your kids. <laughs> and so I respond with, yes, sir, may I have one? No. I said, there's no way that God just said that. That's had to be the pizza I ate last night. That had to be like the thoughts. I don't know why I would have ever thought about that, but there's no way that like, why would the Lord even ask that? That is just, that's not God. And so here's what I said. Lord, if that crazy thought was you, I need you to confirm your word with signs following. I need you to, to show me because this is not what I'm about doing, right? I felt kind of like Gideon when Gideon was like, Lord, if this is you, make the cloth on the ground dry, but the ground wet. And so he wakes up, and that's exactly what happened. And then he's like, okay, now, 
Now this time, Lord, here's what I want you to do. Make the cloth dry, but, and you remember the story. And so I said, Lord, I need you to confirm this. I, wow. And so I remember that week, I go to the Bible study that I go to on Thursday mornings. And what they talk about at Bible study was the time that the Lord told David to go and fight the Amalekites. And then David got around some other people and they were like, surely God didn't say that. And so David went back to God and God was like, dude, I already told you what to do, just do it. And I'm like, that's what y'all are gonna talk about at Bible study today. <laughs> and so then I'm asking my kids, I hadn't told them anything about it. And so I was asking them, hey, you know, guys, if, if y'all could have like, I don't know, any pet in the world, you know, what, what would you want? Expecting them to say like, I would like a cheetah, dad, that would be awesome. Here's what my son says, five-year-old Levi. Daddy, I would love to have a golden retriever puppy. <laughs> Needless to say, after all the confirmation, in about two weeks, the Havens family will own a new golden retriever puppy. <laughs> pray for me, people, pray for me. And so in that moment, at church that day, when the Lord spoke to me, his presence was to give me direction. I still have no idea why God would tell me to get a dog for my kids, but he did, and we're gonna be obedient, and it's gonna be good, I just know it. And so, listen, God's presence, it has to be priority in our lives, okay? So I told you to go to Psalms chapter 103. We're gonna be in Psalm 103 and verse seven. Now, when it says he, it's talking about Father God, and it says... He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. So what's the difference? God's ways, God's deeds, that may sound like the same thing, but there's a huge difference. Moses knew God's ways, meaning Moses knew God's character. Moses knew God's nature. Moses knew God personally. But it says he made his deeds known to the children of Israel, meaning the children of Israel knew what God did in the past, but they didn't know his ways. They didn't have that personal relationship with him. See, Moses might have been able to predict what God would do because he knew God's character, but the children of Israel, all that God allowed them to know about him were his acts, the things that he did. And we're gonna see through scripture today how we get that choice as well. Are we gonna be someone who God makes his ways known to us? Are we gonna be someone that God allows us to know him personally or are we gonna be someone who just knows about the things God has done? And I don't know about you, but in my life, I want to know God. I want to know his ways, not just his acts. And so we're gonna talk about the difference, but go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter 20. We'll be in Exodus a lot this morning, talking about Moses, and so if you wanna kinda of keep a finger there the whole morning, we'll keep going back and forth. But the difference between his ways and his acts. Children of Israel got to know God's ways, but the, or they got to know his acts, but Moses got to know his ways. And if you were at church a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, talking about tithes and offerings, and I was encouraging all of us to give, and I said something to the effect of, you know, this next month, that was back in August, I was talking about September, my family has a lot of unexpected expenses coming up, and they've got, uh, you know, we've got all these things we have to pay for, and I said, I don't know where the money's gonna come from, but I'm trusting God. Anybody here remember me talking about that? Two of you, yes, okay. So, here's an illustration for you with his ways versus his acts. Last week, which was the last week of August, well, let me back up a little bit. I had prayed three to four weeks ago, and I had come before God in the morning, which is when I spend time with the Lord, and I had said, Lord, 
We've got all these expenses coming up. And I gave him a number, and I said, I need 1,200 extra dollars next month that I don't know where it's gonna come from. So because of our expenses, God, I need you to provide $1,200. Said, I trust you, you're gonna take care of it. And I left it at that. Didn't tell anybody else that. I didn't even tell my wife that I prayed that specific number. I told her we need to be praying for provision. So the last week of August, the last Friday of the month, I went to, to do some side work for somebody, and that day that I went there, the person who normally does the job that I know how to do was his wife had just had an emergency C-section the night before, wasn't at work that whole day. And so I got to work the whole day at that place, and I made about $210, okay? That Sunday, somebody sends me $500 on Cash App and they said that they, they wanted to bless me. We're at $710. The next morning, Monday morning, last Monday of August, they send me $500 more, and I'm like, okay, what's going on? So I call them, and I'm like, thank you so much. This is such a blessing. Why did you do this? And they said they had been praying, and the Lord had told them, give Evan $1,000. So 500, 500, 210, that's 1,210 dollars. He's so good, he just put in 10 dollars extra. <laughs> but God is our provider, and so why do I tell you that? To brag on God, for one. But for, for two, the Bible says that one of the names of God is Jehovah Jireh. That means he's God, our provider. I know Jehovah Jireh. Because I've, I've relied on him. He has showed me his ways over and over and over in my life. He has shown me that he is my provider. I do not worry about money even when it's tight like it was because I know Jehovah Jireh. Now you may have heard me tell that story and have never experienced the supernatural provision of God. And then you could say, well that's a great story. I mean, if you trust me, you believe that story. If you don't trust me or don't know me, you may not believe what I just told you. But you know about Jehovah Jireh. We have the opportunity, all of us, not just to know what God does, not just to know his acts, but we have the opportunity to know God. We have the opportunity to know his ways. And so Exodus chapter 20 and verse 21, this is gonna tell us why Moses knew God, but the Israelites only knew his acts. Exodus 20, 21. It says, the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. That's the difference. See, before this, the Lord had invited all of the people of Israel. They had been delivered from Egypt. They had crossed through the Red Sea. They were in the wilderness. They were on their way to the promised land, and God had invited all of them to come before him and to come into his presence. But when it came time to it, the children of Israel said, you know what? Moses, you just go and talk to God. We're kind of terrified here. We're gonna stand at a distance. We don't want anything to do with this. They told Moses, you go talk to God and then you come back and tell us what he said. You know what that's like in today's world? Because Jesus died on the cross and because the veil in the temple was torn, you and I, each one of us, have access to the presence of God. We, we have a reconciled relationship with our Father because of Jesus. But that's like when we say, you know what? I'm gonna prioritize your presence, God, on Sunday mornings. What I need you to do, you talk to Pastor Stormy throughout the week, let him know what's up, and then I'm gonna come here, Pastor's gonna tell me what God said. And we need church. 
Hebrews 10.25 says, don't forsake the assembling together. So that's not what I'm talking about. But you need a word from God for you. You need to get into the presence of God daily. All of us need that. We can't survive just on somebody else hearing from God and telling us what he said. We each have that opportunity to come before a holy God, to lay our concerns, to lay our cares, and to experience his peace, his joy, his love, his provision. And so that's what the children of Israel did. They stayed back. They kept their distance. And But it says, but Moses drew towards the thick cloud where God was. So here's our choice. We either prioritize the presence of God in our daily lives. We draw near to where God is, or we keep our distance. And maybe we come to church on Sundays, but that's really the only thing we hear or see about God all throughout our week. But remember, Moses got to know God. The children of Israel just got to know what God did. And so look in Exodus 33. A few pages over to your right. So God has brought the children out of Israel. Moses has been up to the mountain. He's given him the law, the Ten Commandments, all these instructions. And the children of Israel, they're complaining a lot. They complain about the food that God provided for them. They complained that they didn't have any variety of food, and so the Lord gave them meat. Then they complained about that. They complained about having to walk so much. Then they even started to say things like, you know what, it was so much better off in Egypt when we were slaves, because at least we had great food to eat. I mean, I think they were kind of delusional, honestly. But they were complaining about the provision of God, complaining about what he had done. And so this aroused the anger of the Lord towards them. Look what we're gonna read in Exodus 33, verse one. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, leave this place. Now the place they were in was the wilderness, the desert. They were wandering around in the middle of nowhere. Just for reference, if you just walked straight from Egypt to the promised land, that was about a 10-day journey. But you know how long the children of Israel were wandering in the desert for? For 40 years. And it wasn't because they didn't know the way. It's because the Lord hadn't allowed them to go into the promised land yet. And so it says, the Lord said to Moses, leave this place, leave the wilderness, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. So God says, the promised land that you've been waiting for, it's yours, Moses, you guys go get it. You can have the promised land. You don't have to wander around anymore. It's all yours. Then he says in verse two, I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanite, all the ites. He's gonna drive out all the ites. And then he says in verse three, go to the land flowing with milk and honey. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? God says, you go, take the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, and you're not gonna have to fight your way in like we know that Joshua and the Israelites eventually had to do They had to fight their way into the promised land. God says, I'm just gonna send an angel and he's gonna do all the work for you. He's gonna get all these guys out of here so that you guys can have it. You can have the milk, you can have the honey. It's all yours. But the second half of verse three says, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. God was frustrated with the Israelites because of their constant complaining. And he says, you go, Moses, take these guys, but I'm not going with you. And so we're gonna skip down to verse 15, and this is Moses' response to what God said. Go to the promised land, I'll drive out all the ites, but I'm not going with you. And in verse 15, Moses said, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. 
And Moses said, I would rather stay here in the wilderness only eating bread and meat, only drinking water, wearing the same clothes I walked out of Egypt in. I would rather stay here in the wilderness than go to the promised land with all the milk and honey without you. Don't make me go without your presence. In verse 16, he says, how will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? You know what distinguishes believers from all other people on the face of the earth? The presence of God. That when we go through hardship and hard time, when we have a health crisis, a financial crisis, when we have a need, when we have prodigal people in our families that aren't serving the Lord, when we have all of these things come up in our lives, as believers, we have a savior to turn to and to lean on and to rely on. His presence separates us and distinguishes us from the rest of the people on earth. When my wife and I go through things, we often say to each other like, how do people do stuff like this without the strength of the Holy Spirit on the inside of them? And I don't wanna find out. But he is what distinguishes us from others. And in verse 17, the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. And we have that same opportunity if we will prioritize the presence of God if we will prioritize time spent with him daily, not just in the sanctuary on Sundays, but in our bedroom on Monday through Saturday, then we get to know God as well. And we get to have a God who would say, I'm gonna do for you what you ask because I know you by name, because you prioritize my presence. And so through the story of Moses, we're gonna look at three different ways that we must come before God and prioritize his presence. We're gonna stay in Exodus 33, and keep a finger here because we'll come back to it three or four times. And we're gonna look at how Moses met with God. So verse seven. It says, now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And, the, and whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while, Moses, while the Lord spoke with Moses. Verse 10, whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood together and worshiped, each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. So Moses had this place called the tent of meeting that he set up in order to prioritize the presence of God. And whenever Moses needed to speak to the Lord, it says he would go to the tent of meeting and the Lord himself would come and speak to Moses face to face, just like someone talks to their friend. And so number one this morning is that we have to come with purpose. Everybody say with purpose. We come before the Lord with purpose. This does not mean we come with an agenda. See, we're just saying, I'm sorry, Lord, when I've come with my agendas. Too many times we come before the Lord with this laundry list of all the things we need him to do for us. And we forget that he's a holy God who created us and who's been there from the beginning of time and who will be there until the end of time. He's eternal. And we come and we say, God, I need $1,200. Will you please just give me $1,200? That's really all I want from you today. But we forget to purpose in our hearts just to spend time with our Father that we need to be with God, and it's a relationship. And so we come with purpose.
Turn to, uh, well, look in Exodus 33, look in verse nine. And it says, as Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. The pillar of cloud, the presence of God, wasn't there at the tent of meeting until Moses purposed in his heart to go. And once Moses purposed in his heart to go, the presence of God came in that place. And the Bible says in James 4, 8, it says, draw close to me and I will draw close to you. See, there's that first step that we take towards the presence of God. But the Bible promises that when we take that first step towards his presence, that when we make it a priority, that he meets with us. And it's kind of like I went on a date with my wife last night. And when we prioritize this date, we, we've got to put it on the calendar. We've got to schedule a babysitter. My parents watched my kids last night. They're amazing. We've got to schedule a babysitter. I've got to get the dinner reservations but I don't get out my notepad before I head there and start to write down conversation topics. The weather lately, it's been over 100 each day. Let's talk about that. And we're gonna talk about this person and this person from church. No, you don't, do, I mean, if you do that, no shame. If that's what you wanna do, go for it. But you don't schedule your conversation topics when you take your wife on a date, but you do prioritize it. You make that date a priority. And I wouldn't miss that appointment that I had with her for anything because she is my priority and spending time with her is my priority. But how are we with the presence of God? Do we make an appointment with God and when we do, do we keep it? Do we set a time every day that we spend with our Father? Just like he talked to Moses face to face, he wants to talk with us face to face. But do we make him a priority? Turn to Revelation chapter three. And this illustrates what I'm talking about right here, that Jesus wants to meet with us. While you turn to Revelation 3, when I was a teenager, I came out of my bedroom, and a couple of my brothers, maybe my sister, they were sitting at the, the breakfast table, they were eating breakfast, and I look into the kitchen, like, you know, you're still kind of rubbing your eyes, you just woke up, getting ready for school, and my next door neighbor is standing in my kitchen making eggs, and he's in his pajamas. And I, I walk in, and he goes, hey, breakfast is almost ready. I was like, what in the world? Where are my parents? Like, what is going on here? And so... I, I'm like, David, what's, uh, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, stepped outside this morning and locked myself out of the house, so I thought I'd come over here. You're out of eggs, by the way. So my mom comes out of her bedroom, and she's like, David? And he's leaving, and he's like, thanks for the coffee, and he walks out the door. It was like one of the weirdest situations. I mean, we knew him, but not that well. <laughs> That's not what God does, okay? And some of us treat him like that. Like, I'll just willy-nilly wake up and blah, 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 and hopefully the Lord's with me today and maybe he'll just walk in my front door and show up and that'll be awesome. If you're here, God, great. If not, okay. But look at the way that the Lord works with us in Revelation chapter three, verse 20. These are red letter words. These are the words of Jesus. He says, here I am in my pajamas making you eggs. No, he says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, say anyone, anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. See, it's almost like that date that I went on with my wife last night. We were able to sit across the table without the distracting of our favorite three children. But it was intentional. See, God doesn't just come into our house and just start doing things. He comes when, when we open the door to him when we prioritize his presence, when we come before him with purpose. That God, I'm spending time with you today and I want you to speak to me whatever you wanna to speak to my heart. 
I wanna listen, I wanna follow you, I, I need your peace, I need your joy, I need your provision. I just want you. So we have to come with purpose. Number two, we come with thanksgiving and with praise. Back in Exodus chapter 33, back at how, how Moses was setting up the tent of meeting, and in verse 10, it says, whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshiped, each at the entrance to their tent. See, the presence of God in that place elicited a response with the children of Israel. And their response was to worship him. Their response was to bow down before him, to give him praise. Psalms 100 verse four says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. Because that's the way that we come before our Father, with thanksgiving and with praise. Have you ever done something for somebody and they didn't even say thank you for it? You wonder like, wow, you really don't feel that great right now. I did all this stuff for them, I sacrificed all this for them and they can't even say thank you. You know, Jesus takes note of gratitude there's a story in the New Testament about how these 10 lepers, these 10 people afflicted with leprosy, and remember that was not just a skin disease where they had horrible pain in their skin and, and itching, but it was something that made them outcast in society. They weren't allowed to be with everybody else. And so these 10 lepers come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, have mercy on us, heal us. And so Jesus tells them, go show yourself to the priests. The Bible says that while the 10 people are on their way to the priest, they're healed. The leprosy is gone. It says, but one turned around as soon as he was healed, ran back to Jesus, fell at his feet, and said, thank you. Thank you for healing me. The Bible says that, that Jesus said, didn't I heal 10 of you? Where are the other nine? Because Jesus takes notice of our gratitude. You know when you have a heart of gratitude, it takes your focus off of yourself, off of your problems, off of your issues, and it puts the focus and the attention on God, thanking him and praising him. And absolutely, we can thank him for the things he's already done, but did you know that we can thank him for what he hasn't even done yet? Because we know that we serve a faithful God. We know we serve Jehovah Jireh. We know we serve Jehovah Rapha. That means God, our healer. We know we serve him, so when you're dealing with something in your body, medical issues, when you're dealing with needing provision, when you're dealing with all of these things that we go through in our lives and there's this time of questioning and wondering what's gonna happen, just begin to thank God for what he's going to do, whatever it is. Have a heart of gratitude. If nothing else, it's the breath of God that's in our lungs. Every breath we take is the breath of God breathed on the inside of us. We have life today. We woke up this morning, that's reason enough to be grateful. But this is how we come before God and this is how we prioritize his presence, that we come with thanksgiving and we come with praise. So we come with purpose, we come with thanksgiving and praise and lastly, you gotta come without distractions. In Exodus 33, verse seven, I want you to take notice of something that's repeated three times in this verse. It says, now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp, some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Where was the tent of meeting? It's 
outside the camp. Why? Because when Moses took the tent and set it up outside the camp, some distance away, in one verse it says that three times, he was getting away from the distractions. He was getting away from hearing the murmur of the people. He was getting away from all of the, the, the sights and the sounds and the smells that he would hear and see in the camp. He was getting alone with God. He was going to a place where there wouldn't be any distractions and where he could focus on what he was saying to God and what God was saying to him. The Bible says, be still and know that I'm God. Sometimes we have to get to a place where we can be still and where we can be quiet and we can come without distractions. I was noticing recently that I was very distracted anytime I would pray. I mean, I would be praying like, Lord, I, I ask that you would come today and that you would show me what you want me to do and i thinking about something else. The squirrel moment. And it was happening a lot. I was, I was like unable to focus when I was having time with the Lord. So I had to make a change. And I realized that it was because anytime I had spare time or you have a spare moment, I would pull out my phone and start scrolling through YouTube videos just to see what there was to see. And so anytime my mind was idle or I was just sitting, even if it's just for a second, I'll pull it out and start scrolling. When you do that, it makes your brain crave that, crave that thinking, and you, you don't let yourself be still. You don't let yourself be quiet. You don't let your mind not think about all the different things that are going on. And I was unable to focus. So I quit doing that. I, I, I took that app off my phone and, and just started to be okay with being still and being quiet. And little by little, my ability to focus when I was in the presence of God came back. And I don't know what it is for you, but there's some way for each of us, like Moses did, to, to get outside the camp. You know, there's a, a man on our worship team, and he had this shed built in his backyard, like one that you store your lawnmower in and stuff, and he decked out the inside of it, and he's got like all this different stuff, and that is his tent of meeting. The only thing he does in that shed is pray, read the Bible, talk to God, worship. When he goes out to that shed, it's like Moses going out to the tent, that's his place of meeting. You may or may not have the ability to build a shed in your backyard, but there's a place you can go where it's still, where it's quiet. Maybe it's your closet, maybe it's a spare bedroom. For me, it's not necessarily a place I can go, I'm at my kitchen table, but it's early in the morning before any of my other family members wake up because that's a time where I can be still and I can be quiet, I can cast my cares before the Lord and I can listen to his answers for me. We've gotta come before the Lord without distractions. There's another reason why all of this is so important, that we learn to prioritize the presence, that we learn to come with purpose, that we learn to, to come with thanksgiving and praise and that we learn to come without distractions. Because look at the very last part of verse 11. I didn't read the last half of it earlier. In Exodus 33, 11, it says, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. But his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Who took over leading the Israelites whenever Moses died? Joshua did. Why? Because Moses, or Joshua had learned from Moses how to prioritize the presence of God. The Lord knew that Joshua would seek him. 
The Lord knew that Joshua would obey him. The Lord knew that Joshua would continue to place priority on God's presence for the children of Israel, and he did. And the Lord was with Joshua. And Joshua, unlike Moses, got to go into the promised land, leave the rest of the children of Israel there. And at the end of Joshua's life, the Bible says that he experienced rest from his enemies. He experienced peace. Because Joshua learned from Moses how to prioritize the presence. And for each of us, there's people in our lives. If you're a parent, it's your children. Maybe you're a grandparent and you have grandchildren that are looking up to you. Maybe your children are long gone and they're not with you all the time. Maybe you haven't had children yet. Maybe children are not even part of your conversation. But there's people around you right here in this room. There's teenagers, there's kids that go to this church that can learn from all of us how to prioritize the presence of God. And when we make a choice to prioritize God's presence in our lives and in our hearts, there's people around us that take notice and it starts a legacy of prioritizing God's presence in our families, in our church, in our communities. That's one of the things that's so important that we learn this, to prioritize the presence of God. Last scripture that we're gonna go to is Psalms chapter 91. And I'm gonna close with this. Whenever we you know, face the COVID-19 pandemic, 2020, the year that we'll live in infamy, this is one of the verses that I stood on whenever I felt anxious or whenever I felt fearful. This psalm really was one of those life verses that I lived by. And I'm gonna read it, but as I read it, I'm gonna skip three verses. And I'm gonna go back to them at the end. So we're gonna start in verse two, Psalm 91, verse two. And as we read this, listen to the benefits. Listen to the incredible offering that God's giving to us. Psalm 91, two, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. Pestilence means a fatal epidemic disease. We know one of those. Verse four, he will cover you with his feathers. And under his wings, you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. Skip to verse 10. No harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and serpent. Skip to verse 15. This is God talking, and he says, he will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And we read that and we say, sign me up. Where's the dotted line? I, I wanna be able to not fear the, the pestilence. I wanna not fear the terror of night. I wanna not fear the arrow that flies by day. I wanna be able to say, what can man do to me? If God be for me, who can be against me? I want that confidence. Let's read the verses I skipped and we're gonna see the formula or the way that we get these benefits from the Lord. And in verse one of Psalm 91, it says, whoever, say whoever. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High, whoever lives there, will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Verse nine, if, everybody say if. If you say 
The Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling. And in verse 14, God says, because he loves me, I will rescue him, I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. And you see in those three verses how I've got to live my life in order to receive the benefits of Psalm 91. And when it says that I'm going to rest in the shadow of the Almighty, the way that I'm in the shadow of the Almighty is that I've got to be close to him. If I'm going to be in somebody's shadow, I've got to be close. If I'm distant like the children of Israel, then I'm not in the shadow. Yesterday we were at the farmer's market and the sun was blazing down on us like the fury of a thousand, I don't know. It was so hot. And I was trying every chance I got. My wife's like talking to people and I was a little rude because while she was talking to them, I like kept sneaking over into the shade so that I could hide in the shadow, right? But I gotta be close. Gotta be close. Stand up on your feet with me. I believe that there's some people in here not close with the Lord because you don't know him at all. And you're in one of two categories. Either you've never had a relationship with the Lord Jesus or maybe you had one and you've really walked away. And the Bible's very clear in the book of Romans. It says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, meaning, I believe that really happened. That's not a story in a book. God raised Jesus from the dead and he paid for my sin. If you believe that, and it says, and if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, then you will be saved. And the work on the cross of Jesus was to save us so that we go to heaven with him someday, but it was also to reconcile our broken relationship with Father God so that we could prioritize his presence in our daily lives. And so if that's you and you say, you know what, I I don't have a relationship with Jesus right now because I've never done it or because I've walked away. Everybody in this room has had to make that choice to have a relationship with him. So there's no shame, there's no guilt, there's only celebration in the house today. And if that's you and you say, "I, I just need to start a relationship with Jesus you come down here to the front and our prayer team's gonna come and stand behind you. We're gonna pray with you and celebrate with you. Is that anybody in this room? Come on, let's give him a hand. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for coming down here. That's the best decision you'll ever make. Thank you. Thank you for coming down here. Have one of our ladies on our team come and stand with her. Anybody else? Anybody else want to give your life to Jesus today? Let me ask both of y'all, have you received Jesus before? Is this your first time? You have before? Yeah, before. They're coming home. You know, I'm reminded of the story in Luke chapter 15. And it says that the prodigal son, he had left and wasted all of his inheritance. And the Bible says that he, he came to his senses and he started coming back home. It says, when he was still a long ways off, the father saw him and he ran to him and he embraced him. The Lord's not mad at you or angry with you for walking away or stepping away. 
He's ready to run and pick you up and embrace you back into his family, to his arms, okay? And so, hey, would you guys stretch your hands out towards these, these guys here? And I want everybody in the room to repeat after me. We're just gonna say this in support of these ones that are rededicating their hearts to the Lord. So let's say, Father God, I've sinned. I've blown it. But I'm repenting right now. Thank you for sending your son to give his life on the cross so that I could have a relationship with you. God, I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead, that he's seated at your right hand right now. And out of my mouth, I confess Jesus, you are my Lord. Thank you for saving me. And thank you for a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, y'all celebrate with them. I'm really proud of both of y'all. I really am. You've got a church family here that's standing behind you, supporting you in your walk with God. You know, there's, there's other ones of us in this room, though, that we just haven't prioritized the presence of God in our life. That we've been distracted, we haven't been focused on it, that we've, maybe we've just been content to come only on Sundays and Wednesdays and that's our Jesus time. But we haven't made his presence a priority in our daily lives. And you say, for whatever reason, I, I just need to come and surrender to him. What I'm gonna do is have our prayer teams on the side of the stage, kind of like y'all do it during worship. And maybe you wanna to come to one of our prayer team members and, and confess and just ask them to lay hands on you and pray for you. We welcome that, the Bible says there's healing in that. And maybe you just would wanna to come to the altar and get on your knees and say, God, I'm sorry for what I've made it, but I'm coming back to your presence and I just wanna to surrender to you again today. And so these guys are gonna sing for just a couple of minutes. And as they do that, you can come and get prayer, you can come and just surrender at the altar. Let's prioritize his presence this morning. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.